Hi there. Hello. I'm Murphy Robinson. And I'm Ari Earlbaum. I teach hunting and archery for a living. And I've never hunted in my life, but I'm curious. On this show, we're going to interview hunters of all genders to explore all sorts of perspectives on hunting, our relationship to our prey, and the wildness within ourselves. Welcome to the Hunters Podcast. And there was that crunching sound in the forest from where they'd come from. I was like, oh my god, it's gonna be a buck. To me, it sounded like the whole forest sighed. Today's episode The Secret Origin of Murphy Robinson. Yeah, so Chase and I first didn't meet on the Appalachian Trail. His trail name was Feels Like Today, which I guess is the name of a country song. And he started about a week behind me. Um, and I had no idea he existed, but he picked my name out of the trail journals where you like sign your name and you'd shelter and like give a little update to people behind you. This recording was taken at Chase's farm in 2016 during a hunting expedition that Murphy led. The other voice you'll hear in the background is Cecilia Hogan, one of Murphy's hunting students. Um, he picked my name out of the journals and decided to chase me and see if he could catch, catch up with me because I was a, a woman, which is very interesting to most guys hiking the Appalachian Trail, and B was like hiking pretty fast, so that would be a good challenge um, to catch up with. And so he was chasing me for like a month at least, maybe more, that I didn't know he existed. And then I got off the trail for like half a week to go to a friend's wedding. And um, then I got back on, and he was in front of me. And then he started, Chase started leaving us these notes in the trail journals, be like, you guys are slow, catch up. I just took like a zero day and a five mile day, and you still haven't caught up. I'm not gonna wait for you anymore. And I got very angry because I was a very fast through hiker. Like I would do a lot of 30 mile days. And so, uh, you know, I was like, nobody calls me slow, you know, <laughs> that was a good challenge. And so I busted my butt to catch up with him. And I actually left my friend in the dust because my friend didn't want to hike that fast. But I was like, this guy called me slow. I'm catching up to him. Show him who's who. And um, then accidentally I got ahead of him in New Hampshire in the White Mountains. And then I started leaving him snarky notes in the journals. Uh, but he didn't catch up to me. So I had to get off the trail without meeting him. So it was this like strange leapfrog competitive snarky relationship that we had on the trail. And um, he was really pissed when I got, he learned that I'd gotten off the trail. He was really trying to catch up to me. But anyway, after we got home, he friended me on Facebook, and we would talk a little bit, and he, like, read my trail journal, which I posted online, and um, he mentioned one day when we were chatting on Facebook that he had just killed a doe the night before, and um, I was raised vegetarian in a less nonviolent, peaceful household where nobody had guns, and, like, it was very strange, but I was, I was finding that I wanted to learn to hunt, and I, that came to me, like, on the Appalachian Trail. Um, this, this impulse to like know the forest in a new way. And so when he started asking, when he said that he killed a doe, I was like, oh my gosh, like, is it legal to kill does down in North Carolina? Did you use a gun or a bow? Did you use a tree stand? And like asking all these questions. And he was like, why is a vegetarian girl asking me all these questions about hunting? Like, what is this? You know? And um, so I said, well, I've, I've been wanting to learn to hunt and I have no, no one to teach me because none of the people in my family own guns or have ever been hunting. And his, he immediately said, he was like, come down to my farm in North Carolina and I'll teach you to hunt. And um, I was like, oh, wow, that's interesting. Like, 
that's, that's kind of appealing, but this is also, like, a man that I've never met who's basically a stranger who's inviting me to, like, go hang out in the woods with him with guns involved, and, like, this doesn't feel completely safe to me. So I was, like, making an excuse, and I was like, oh, well, um, that's really kind, it's so sweet of you to offer, but, like, it's probably too expensive for me to buy a plane ticket to fly from Maine to North Carolina to come and do this with you, but, like, maybe at a time or something. And he immediately responds, I'll buy your plane ticket, just come down, I'll teach you to hunt. And then I was like, wait a minute, what's this guy expecting, like, buying my plane ticket? Is that how, like, when you buy someone dinner, you get to kiss her kind of thing? Um, and Chase didn't know me very well personally, like, we'd never met in person. So I just I just typed into a little Facebook box. I was like, you know, you should know that I'm a lesbian and I make very few exceptions. So if you're expecting anything in addition to hunting to be involved in this visit, like, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and there was like this pause in the face of the conversation <laughs> and then he starts typing and, and he says ha 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 I wish all girls were so straightforward and then he says you can still totally come down I'll buy your plane ticket I just want to meet you and I'd be happy to teach you to hunt <laughs> um, and so I did it um, to my, some of my friends were very skeptical about this venture but I came down here and uh, I spent seven days here here on this farm in North Carolina two pigs farm, Chase's farm and uh, I, in seven days, I went from never having shot a gun in my life to having killed a six-point buck with a 308 rifle uh, and also skinned and gutted and butchered it myself um, with Chase's guidance. Um, and it was just an incredible learning experience. It was definitely a, an example of like when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Um, and we, we've had this wonderful friendship ever since. After the break, we learn more about Murphy's hunting practice. Also, cheesy 90s TV shows. This podcast is brought to you by Pocket Music. Which is actually me. I teach harmonica lessons and music workshops. That's Ari playing harmonica in the background there. So Ari, what style of harmonica do you teach? Well, I've never been very good at sticking to one style. Oh yeah? That doesn't surprise me. So what styles do you teach? Um, I teach bluesy things. Classic! What else have you got? I teach some fiddle tunes. Wow, that's really good. Is there any other style? Um, kind of a rare one, but klezmer harmonica. There is klezmer harmonica? Klezmer. That's amazing. Very fiddler on the roof. Is that it? Is there anything else? Well, there's one more. It's one of my favorites. Oh yeah? What is it? It's beatboxing and playing the harmonica at the same time. What? That sounds amazing. Give us a demo. That's amazing. Just blew my mind. So if I wanted to learn harmonica, how would I get in touch with you? Well, you can come take lessons with me in Montpelier, Vermont, or you can do them through Skype. To sign up or learn more, go to www.pocketmusic.musicteachershelper.com. That's pocketmusic.musicteachershelper.com. 
All these harmonica lessons and workshops support Ari so he has more time to make this podcast. In other words, help keep my producer off the streets and in the podcast studio where he belongs, sharing Huntress stories with the world. Before we go back to that recording of Murphy's hunting story, let's take a step back and look at another important part of her life, her spirituality. Don't worry, this will all connect back to hunting eventually. I was raised in a really new age family, and my parents were like loosely Christian. My dad was raised Catholic, my mom was raised Quaker, but they both uh, got really into the transcendental meditation movement and were following this like Hindu-based Vedic meditation path. And um, so, like, Christianity was a vague thing. Like, God was sort of a thing. We celebrated Christmas and Easter. And I knew that, like, people were sort of supposed to pray to God when they were having a hard time. Or maybe you're supposed to, like, pray to God when you went to bed. Like, that's what they did in, like, the Laura's Ingalls Wilder books or something like that. Um, so I had this idea that, like, a good child, and I really, really liked being a good child, um, a good child was supposed to, like, pray sometimes. But I had this block against it. I just, like, every time I sat down and thought, like, I'm going to pray to God, nothing would come, and I would just feel totally blocked. There's something about praying to this, like, male, all-powerful, distant, all-seeing Christian God that, like, didn't work for me. So when I was 16, one day my dad was watching this TV show called Felicity that was about this girl named Felicity who goes to college. It was, like, a drama about this girl going to college. And, um... In this show, Felicity's roommate is this scary Wiccan goth girl who's, like, really negative and weird. And she's, like, this humorous character in the show, kind of. Um, And so at the end of the first season, Felicity says to a roommate, so, hey, like, what are you doing this summer? And the roommate is like, I'm going to Wicca camp. And that's, like, supposed to be this hilarious thing at the end of the episode. Have a good time at Wicca camp. Thanks. And the funny thing is, when I heard that, I had this little, like, ping in my brain, and I was like, oh, Wicca. I I just, like, perked up and paid attention. It was like I was remembering something, or like, oh, something that was on my to-do list for, like, this lifetime, and now I need to get to it, you know? Um, And so I, like, looked up some, like, scrappy little 1998 websites about Wicca. And I found this really great book called 21st Century Wicca by Jennifer Hunter. And um, it really opened that world up to me. I sat down one day and I tried praying. And praying to a female god was a completely different experience. The floodgates just opened. I felt like I was able to connect to this energy. I was able to identify with it. I was able to like pray like nobody's business. So after I read this book, I started trying to actually celebrate uh, the pagan holidays, the solstices, the equinoxes, the cross-quarter days um, myself. But I really, I just, it was just me in this book, and I didn't have anyone else that I knew that was doing this. And I would make up these little rituals where I would sort of build an altar, and that was kind of the main part of it because I didn't really know what to do once I'd built the altar and maybe like sing a song or something. The next summer, I had just turned 18, and my grandma offered to like, send me to any program I wanted at this Unitarian retreat center. And uh, there was this women's goddess camp it's called Women's Circles. And so I went to that because uh, it sounded like what I wanted to learn more about. And man, did I get what I paid for and more. It was me and all these like hardcore second wave feminists and lesbians dancing on the hill half naked, like celebrating the goddess. It was really amazing. And... Um, People there were very, very serious about this kind of thing and 
very serious about the divine and the goddesses and the fairies and all these energies that seemed pretty crazy to me. Like, I've spent the first few days at camp being like, are these people insane? Am I just here with a lot of insane people? Everything they're talking about, they're talking about it in such a concrete way. And I've just been thinking of it as archetypes. So the culmination of this week-long goddess camp was this big ritual to the goddess Arianrod, who is a Celtic star goddess. So we all gathered in this big, like, summer camp rec hall sort of space and, uh, you know, created this circle. We, like, entered the circle through the special gateway. Priestesses were, like, blessing you and burning sage as you came in. And then it was time for the high priestess of our community to aspect the goddess. That means basically like opening yourself up so that the goddess's energy can come into you, use your body, use your speech to communicate like in a very direct way with the gathered people there. And so the priestess draws this star goddess down into her and she begins to look around the circle and make eye contact with each one of the like 75 women in the circle. The moment that she makes eye contact with me, I just felt like I was in the presence of something gigantic. Something mind-boggling and like a little bit hostile. Like Arian Rod's a little bit of bitter goddess, she was like banished to the stars. And um, just something that could crush me under her heel like an ant and think nothing more of it. It was like more real than normal life, you know, it was like the real at a next level. Um, and it was terrifying. I like didn't breathe. I feel like my heart didn't beat for like the whole time. I mean, she probably only looked at me for a few seconds, but it felt like it went on for a long time. And when she looked away, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm still alive. She didn't crush me under her heel. And it just, after that, I, I just believed at this really visceral level. I'd seen something really real and really powerful. And I was like, okay, the goddess is real. These people are not insane. Or if they are, I'm insane too. And uh, I'm going to take this energy seriously after that. So my spiritual path has really developed since then. I don't really identify as Wiccan anymore, given that's a very specific kind of Celtic framework of practice. But I still practice an earth-based spirituality that I would call pagan. And I've looked to my own Scandinavian ancestry for a lot of spiritual inspiration, connecting with those goddesses and that pantheon, and even the gods, as I've gotten in touch with my own masculinity as a butch person. Well, it's kind of the other way around. The gods came and found me and were like, hey, you need to work for us too. And I was like, what? I only hang out with the girl gods. And Thor was like, sorry, you're the fastest hiker on the Appalachian Trail. You're, you're with me now. After the Appalachian Trail, I started feeling really called to connect with this obscure Scandinavian goddess called Skadi. And Skadi is a huntress and a warrior. Those are her primary aspects. And 
through learning more about her mythology and her energy, I felt really called to the practice of hunting. And I really felt like it was going to be a spiritual initiation for me. But I didn't know how it was going to happen. So I was really happy when this whole thing with Chase came up and kind of fell on my lap. I was like, oh, this is how this is going to unfold. I just, I felt like I was able to use all the tools of my spiritual path, like the energy of prayer and the energy of calling in your prey, uh, making it something where there's an aspect of spiritual consent involved that you've called in this animal. And, you know, if you're ready to die cleanly at the hand of someone who will honor you with prayers and songs and who will tell your story every time you're served at the table, then come to me today. And to accept their gift of their death with like awe and gratitude and and to grieve it as is appropriate, it changes your relationship to the whole predator-prey dynamic. I hunt from this goddess-centered perspective, which means that my basic assumption is that as a female person, it is my like divine and appropriate right to be a hunter in this world. There are so many huntress goddesses in so many cultures all around the world. Like, we are huntresses. It's like actually a power that we're born with that is totally ours to take. So Murphy, I like your style of hunting and hunting stuff. <laughs> well, I'm I'm curious how all that lands with you. I know you like it as a good story, but you're also like an atheist Jew and not particularly spiritual in the way that I am. So like, how does that all sit with you? Yeah, no, you're right. I'm like not particularly spiritual, not particularly female, um, <laughs> but I love it. It's it like, I don't know that I've seen you teach, but but every time you talk about hunting, it just seems like you're taking the specifics of your story and making them really universal and looking at the things that apply to just hunting as a human being um, and making it a more gratifying and fulfilling and um, connected experience. Yeah, and I think spirituality is often kind of a code word for emotion and being in touch with your emotion. Our spiritual lives are where we like have permission to feel our feelings. So in a way, what I'm doing is just kind of restoring a framework for deep emotional experience in hunting. And I think that kind of resonates with everybody, at least everyone that I work with. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that actually has resonated with a bunch of people, which I think leads us right back into some more of the story that you heard at the beginning with Chase. My friends had convinced me, sort of almost against my will, but they'd conjoled me into teaching a hunting for women class, uh, the first huntress intensive. And um, I agreed to this, and then I was like, oh my god, I'm not sure I'm a good enough hunter to teach this class, and I called up Chase. And I was like, Chase, will you come and teach women to hunt in Vermont with me? And he was like, yeah, sure. Um, so he came on up and he taught the first huntress intensive with me. He's, he's so quiet and he's such a man of few words one-on-one uh, -on -one and in the woods, but he actually has a really great teaching persona as well in a group. Um, now he's gotten real busy on the farm here as his farm expands, uh, so he doesn't come up to Vermont to teach anymore, but he still invites us to come down for the huntress expedition to hunt the deer here because the deer are plentiful, so it's a great place for people to get their first first bucks and it's been a really cool experience for me to go from having learned here and been guided to get my first buck here and then actually guiding other women to get their first bucks. So Ari now we know all about my story but why are you here with me making a huntress podcast? Um well 
I am really geeky about radio and storytelling, and I love telling stories about anything. Um, but I also love hanging out with you, and I also love just exploring what people are geeky about. So I'm really excited to explore your hunting geekery with you to the world in story form. <laughs> yes, you do have an eye for a good story. I appreciate that about you. I didn't used to know that you were into this radio stuff. Uh, when we first met, we were dating girls who lived in the same house in Burlington. Um, and then you joined my D&D group and we played Dungeons and Dragons every week. Uh, but in the meanwhile, in the meantime, you went off to radio school and got all these mad skills. So I'm really happy we're collaborating on this. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> We're producing this podcast in our spare time, and we'll try to get as many episodes out to you as we can. We have a lot of people we want to interview, but it also takes us a while to produce each episode. But we want to frame hunting in a holistic way. Yeah, so it's going to be not so much like, this is the best rifle. This is um, how you shoot something. There might be some of that worked in, but but really we're trying to get at like gender, culture, spirituality, like all the juicy things, like what it means to be human. That's what we're going for because all of that is kind of connected to hunting. I certainly agree. And I'm also excited about our next episode, which is coming up, uh, where we talk to Cecilia, who you heard in the background in this episode, um, who shot her first deer in Murphy's class. We just sat. Um, so your heart starts going, you just try to start moving around. One of the hunts we went on was like ridiculously cold. So thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you again soon. Let's let's do some credits, yo. Murphy's story at the hunting camp was recorded by Simon Beckford. Our theme music is composed by Keith Murphy and performed by Yazi Zeichner and Ari Ulbaum. If you're interested in hearing future episodes, please subscribe and spread the word to your friends. If you have thoughts, feedback, or a question about hunting you'd like to hear us explore, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line at huntresspodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, may your arrows fly true.